Happy Monday, listeners. Uh, we're recording this on a Monday. So for once, the days actually line up to when we're recording mm. and when you're listening. What is this? Uh, so today we have another amazing interview for you. Um, one that has actually been on my list for a very long time. And um, we found in our inbox from a year ago that we somehow missed. So shout out to Becky for still hooking us up with the interview. You came through when we yes. failed. You came in clutch. Uh, but we are talking to Kimmy Shelter from Starbenders, which if you have not checked out, pause, pause this, come back later. Go listen to some Starbenders and come back and listen to this interview because you will not be disappointed. Um, the very first song I ever listened was Bitches Be Witches. So that's that's what you need to know about Starbenders. Um, so without further ado, I'm Leah. I'm Beth Ann. And this is She Will Rock You. Where are they getting a dub in a CBS executive meeting? No. Bitch, don't touch my thermostat. <laughs> the ghost be like, hold up, before I haul you, let me turn down the thermostat. Who is this band? We're on page one, guys. This is She Will Rock You. We are joined here tonight by a very special guest that I've been very excited to talk to, Kimmy Shelter from Starbenders. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, so fun story, Beth Ann and I were supposed to see you open for the struts yes. in Richmond when your van broke down. Oh man, that's a bummer. It was a big bummer. We got she, the like, oh. She was like hyping me up. She's like, you're going to love Starbenders. They have these really awesome songs. And then like, I think it was like a day before we're like. No, we were nope. in line. Oh, we were in line. Uh, that's right. And we're like, nope, no, never mind. <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah, it sucks when stuff like that happens, but, you know, you just got to keep it moving. <laughs> yeah, well, it's that's okay. fine. We'll just come see you another time. We love a good band origin story here. So how did Starbenders meet and decide to make music together? It's a little bit of a long story in terms of the time it took for everything to fall into place. I first met our producer and manager Nico when I was working with another band and that project fell apart. So when that happened, I immediately knew I wanted to continue working with him because he was just so magical. And I was like, Oh shit, what do I do? And so um, I was, and prior to that, I was always just a guitar player. I didn't, I hadn't fronted a band. And so he's, told me to write a couple songs and submit them to him. So I did. And he said, great, we're going to go in the studio next week, put a band together. So I was like, Oh shit. Okay, here we go. And uh, I immediately called Aaron, who was a bass player in that previous band as well. And so he was my, the first call that I made. And I'm like, I'm doing this thing with Nico and you know, it's not over. It's not over. We can, we can still make this happen. And, uh, so we, him and I got together with a couple people that helped us get down the line. They were friends and fellow musicians that uh, were part of other gigs or, and things like that. So they kind of helped the thing get going. And we then met our guitar player, Chris Tokai, at a house party in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And he was playing with another band. <laughs> And I was like, who the fuck is this? How is this even happening? We're like, <laughs> we're in the middle of like bumpfuck Georgia and there's this <laughs> kid up here just like shredding 
with like the pecs and the hair <laughs> his touch as a player you just don't hear that kind of touch and mastery of the instrument especially um in so- someone so young too so as soon as i heard him aaron and i kind of stole him and <laughs> which will probably eventually send a fruit basket to that old band <laughs> that's all you gotta maybe some nice flowers some some of the chocolate covered pineapple balls in there you yeah. know make oh, up yeah. for it yeah you know smooth sailing um, at that point yeah and so that was how chris came came into the band then shortly thereafter we had come to the end of the road with our previous drummer and Aaron went and got on Craigslist to see, just kind of see if anybody had put up anything on the classifieds. And he found Emily and she had moved here for another band that fell apart and was about to move back home to Texas and go to dental hygienist school. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And so he showed me her videos and I was, I was like, holy shit, get her. She's fucking amazing. <laughs> and it's so crazy. Cause like you can barely find a good chest of drawers on Craigslist, let alone a drummer like <laughs> Emily Moon. And, um, <laughs> so she came and met with us and we clicked right away. We're playing shows a week later. And I think a few months after that, it was, you know, we were on the road with Alice in Chains and everything like that. Everything just took off when, when everything clicked into place. So there's kind of two different eras of the band, but we really consider our start point to be when, when Emily came in and it was like Captain Planet. Like we had our, you know, <laughs> we Avengers had our, assembled. Yes. Yes. So that's, that's our, my long short story. One thing we've learned in this show is that like the best bands are brought together by newspaper ads or Craigslist ads. Like, this is correct. Hell yeah, Craigslist. It's like it's magical moments is what they are. You can't explain them, but the universe is like, we're going to make this happen. It's God shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I say to all of them all the time that them coming into my life is an indication of to keep going and mm-hmm. I'm like you don't come across these kinds of musicians and these people if you're meant to just stop or quit or go do something mm-hmm. else and I think success people can only look at success in one kind of way but if you've got these very talented and skilled musicians and like in your band and you guys love one another and you're just going at it together it's that in and of itself as an indicator that you're on to something and I think it's something that a lot of people can take for granted because mm-hmm. that upfront success is, is most of what, what people base their valid validation off of. And as a fan, you can tell when the band just loves each other and when they're just up there tolerating each other until their set's over and they can go separate ways. Like it really, you can tell. Yeah. We're, we're so lucky and we've, we've heard stories from bands that talk about that they're, they're in that position and my heart's my heart goes out to them and the love of music and the love of what we do and the dream in and of itself is is just one part of it the other part of it that 
is something that is such a privilege is having that bond and that relationship with the people that I make music with. So I, I mean, every day I make sure to, on my gratitude lists, you know, they're, they're always at the top of my list, my band, you know. I love that. So speaking of your music, if you read, you know, journalists' opinions of you guys, you get everything from goth Stevie Nicks to belonging in the era of Ziggy Stardust. So where do you guys get your inspiration? Uh, The biggest part of inspiration for me personally comes from, there's the dog. Hi, baby. (laughs) His name's Jarvis. Jarvis, I love it. He's actually part of the council of our podcast, the board of yes. directors, if you will, that runs this. That's amazing. You should put him on the camera. He's he's not well behaved enough for that. That right camera now. will <laughs> go flying. The, the okay. interview will end essentially. There's a reason he's shut out of the room. Oh God, understood. But um, as far as inspiration goes for me personally, I would have to say that it's kind of ties into what I talked about earlier about that bond and that vibe. Uh, when we all come together, it's something that is the foundation of where all of us go from there. And so the biggest inspiration is from the people that I play with and the rest of it. I just have all of these interests and artists and people that have really saved my life through listening to their music. And you don't even realize when you're, when you're taking something in and it's becoming a part of you there's that side of things. And then there's the stuff that's just uniquely you that can't be duplicated that comes from your life experience. And so environment, background and musical influence, like everything comes together for each moment. And I think a big part of it too is just discovering different elements and like different things that my voice can do or like with guitar different things that I can do or if somebody plays a cool riff going from there it's all of it kind of floats around together in a stew if you will but it's really it's been really awesome with each of us since like I said since Emily came in we've just all elevated musically and have been able to play off of each other and everything like that and evolve and adapt and with uh the writing the, the songs elevating as well has caused a lot of inspiration and, and allowed us all to, to take things to places that, that we didn't realize we could go to. And there's nothing better in your experience if you're creating something to, than to surprise yourself and be like, oh, shit, I didn't know I could do that, you know. So when everyone's having a moment like that, every time you sit down together, it's just super electric and we're able to really haul ass creatively. So (laughs) I love love that. That's like, that's the beauty of like music. I feel like is whenever you just have, it's almost like a spiritual experience when you play with other musicians and you all can just vibe off each other. Like it's almost undescribable sometimes. Yes, absolutely. There's, and that's why it's, it can, when I get questions like that, I'm like, Oh God, I'm about to sound like, like such a boob. But it's true. I mean, it's true, though, when you play with musicians and you pull inspiration from each other, it's it's a really good setup. It's magic. 
Absolutely. And I think that that's what was so interesting about like the, the Beatles documentary that just came out was it showed that creative pre-production process with the world's greatest band. And you kind of see from the outside looking in that it's just this very incubated thing that the spectator on the outside, um, it's just an interesting experience. And it was really cool that documentary, especially because you get to see like, like for me personally, I've, I think that they're the world's greatest band, but to see that they do the same shit that we do too, you know, and, and their creative process and what it's like and, and everything. So I think that, that that's an example of it that people can look to if they really want to know and they don't, they don't have that in their life, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. We're fans of that documentary and just how goofy they were. Like, no one shows the goofy side of bands. No, really. They're always so serious, so to speak. But like yeah. John Lennon is like the funniest thing. Ringo's the funniest thing. Yoko just yes. randomly screams for fun. I'm about <laughs> yeah. it. I'm yeah. about just it. They're vibing. Yeah. 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 And I think that what it showed, too, is is. It not only showed the release of the comedic release that they're experiencing, but the tension just in general of of what that what comes with the vulnerability of creating and i think a lot of people go into bands or musical partnerships and things like that and think that that that's forbidden and taboo to to kind of like fight or have those moments or have tension and but that's really just what it's i mean one second it'll it'll get heated like that and then the next second you know it's everybody's laughing and you just keep going so i think it's a really healthy foundation just in general for for any relationship but the band Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people who are in bands like agree too that that the relationship with your bandmates are is is something that really helps you with your other interpersonal relationships just because it's so close it's so different you know Mm -hmm. no that makes sense um so you guys had a, a fairly recent single come out called seven white horses yeah. Um, tell us about that song. Oh, what do you want to know about this Everything song? Everything <laughs> about it. We usually ask, like, what's the story behind it? Well, so when I sat down to write that song, at that time, I was listening to a lot of Willie Nelson and, like, Pink Floyd, Lee Hazelwood and Nancy Sinatra, uh, Brian Jonestown Massacre. So it's like I was listening to, a lot, like, this kind of big mix of stuff that had the common thread through it which was kind of the a wiry type guitar sound and everything like that and I wanted to develop a riff that that was something that moved in a way kind of similar to the riff that was in um Jolene and how that kind of just is sick like circular and keeps going and keeps moving and so I was just noodling around and came up with that riff and that's where the song blossomed out of from there, the sentiment of being in love with either somebody, someone, or a part of you that's connected to the past or addiction, things like that, where you're ready to move on and that person isn't or that part of you isn't. So the line you know, California's calling, but you'll never go is, is basically like your dreams are calling you, but you're not, you're not going to go anywhere. And so that's, 
where it came from. And, and the line seven white horses ride for black mass is just the idea of seven being a holy number, um, seven white horses riding for black mass, which is, you know, black mass is a satanic ritual. So it's kind of like riding into battle and facing things head on. And it's kind of that idea of the new and the old of, of change and of stuckness being in conflict with one another. And it's, it's again, like I said, that that's the case, whether it's something outside of yourself and also within yourself. Cause I think a lot of times we have things within ourselves that we struggle with that hold us back that we know mm-hmm. is the culprit, but we refuse to look at it and we just can't go there mm. until we're ready. And I do believe that you you go there when you're ready. Mm-hmm. So that's what the song is about. And the band and I, we recorded that in this really cool studio in Atlanta with um, Tom Tapley. Tom Tapley was the engineer for the record and Nico produced. And so it was just this like strange energetic experience and at the time that we recorded the song um someone that was very close to me was um, passing away and they had slipped into um, a coma basically and it was just a matter of days and so it was kind of coming in and out of the studio and facing that emotionally and taking on a song like that where every everyone was kind of like understanding the weight of what was happening outside the studio but also like I think that the song in and of itself and the sentiment that was behind the song um we were all able to put our our sorrow of that outside experience into the inside experience and I think that's what made that song so haunting mm-hmm. and kind of contributed to the energy as well because it tied to the sentiment of, of the song where like in in my physical world this person was passing away and and uh you know just the fear that comes with the understanding that when when you lose someone that the world doesn't look the same anymore and you try to figure out how how things are going to look and and how to place things and just being on the the cusp of that and um so that's that's that was that song you know wow having all that context makes sense because every time I listen to it I'm like damn this song's heavy I need a break after this like after you listen <laughs> yeah. to something a little lighter because it just yeah it's it so burns, good though you gotta burn sage after you listen to it <laughs> yeah <laughs> you kind of need a, like a cleansing song after yeah um so what are your plans for for this year I know you mentioned a tour yeah, we've got some touring coming up, some exciting things that aren't fully fleshed out yet, but we're working on it and we'll be making some announcements soon. Um, the day that actually this podcast is coming out on the 18th, we're going to uh, open up for my friend Lilith Czar and here we in Atlanta. Love, love. <laughs> we're big Lilith Czar fans here. Yeah, I love her. She and I met on the set of Paradise City and have been super tight thereafter. And we have always wanted to play a show together. Oh, that's she was great. Yeah, she was coming coming through Atlanta and they didn't have an opener yet. And they asked us and we're like, hell yeah. <laughs> so we were able to make it happen. So we've got that coming up and we're going to be putting new music out. We're in the studio 
right now. And um, that's why I'm a little, I'm so raspy because I've been singing all day, <laughs> but <laughs> or screaming, however you want to call it. But um, so we've got a lot of cool stuff that's that's coming out. We're excited. I can't wait to hear it. Uh, so before I throw it over to Beth Ann for our lightning round questions, where can people find oh. you and the band online? You actually have to avoid us online because we're everywhere. So <laughs> but, <laughs> thus is the world we live I, in. Yeah. You, yeah. You just get, so we're just starbenders under everything. One word, starbenders, Twitter, Instagram, Tiki talkie, all of the above. Our website is www.starbenders.com. So it's pretty easy. And if you forget our band name at nighttime, just walk outside and look up at a star and remind yourself to bend it and be like, Oh yeah. Star benders. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> look up and bend it. <laughs> Very helpful. Well, first question, I mean, it has to be asked if someone's going to buy you a star, what would you name it? Well, honestly, the first thing that comes to my mind is Zachary. That's a good star name. It's, a, like it. I, it's, it's just also, like it's also Leah's husband's name, but no, his oh. name is Zachariah. Oh, Zachariah, that's, that's right. We've, that's we've even gone better. <laughs> Zachariah is even better because it sounds more ancient. So, but I, yeah, I like I like kind of um, naming things in general. So I like that question. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> a good question. I, I tend to name random inanimate objects. Like my husband just got a tattoo. It's a skull with a cowboy hat. His name's now Gerald. I love it. <laughs> I love it. That's, that's the kind so of, good. That's the kind of world I live in. So I'm glad we're on the same wavelength. With oh that. yeah, me too. I there's like, um, in Georgia we have a lot of birds. Which I'm pretty sure there's birds <laughs> everywhere. But uh, but like, Georgia has just, an exceeding amount uh, of birds. There's a lot of birds in Georgia, and so there's ones that that hang out around the house and I've named all of them. Like there's a hawk named Alphonse. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. That's my uncle's name. Oh my God. See, <laughs> it's that witchy shit. That's what Beth it Ann is. Bethann named the groundhog in her backyard. His name's Walter. So. Oh, cute. I love yeah. it. He terrorizes my dogs in his existence. He does. Dr- I have two hounds. It drives them insane. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hounds, hounds do, do be going insane. Yeah. <laughs> that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your favorite new or recent release from an artist i really like the new youngblood sound song um the dancing at my funeral i think it's really cool and the production's awesome on it and they really swung for the fences with that one so that's the most recent one that i like a lot too and i also heard that um there's a new Kat Von D song that I like a lot that a, a friend of mine plays keyboards with her now. I can't oh, remember cool. the, the name of it, but she's, she's doing a lot of really cool stuff. It's, it's like goth, gothy new wave um, nice. and everything. Yes. I could see that being a really good sound. Yeah, that's cool. And then I like the new Meg Meyer song, hiding that I'm sexual. I think that that's a really hip song. Sweet. Yeah. So- which flavor of goldfish is superior? I cannot confirm or deny I've seen goldfish when I wrote this question. <laughs> I mean, I would probably either say the classic or the pretzel. Mm. The, Both the of pretzel. them together, even. 
Yeah. They used to have a set where those two were together. Yeah, they did. Dang. Bring yeah. it back. That's right. <laughs> and our signature question of this podcast, if you were a cereal, which would you be and why? Uh, I'm going to go with Count Chocula. Ooh. That's what it was called, right? Yeah, Count yeah. Chocula. Yeah, because it's, it's gothy, but it's sweet. And it's still colorful and intriguing, mm. but can be found mm. in a grocery store. <laughs> but only for a limited time, only for the month of Yeah, it's, so it makes it unique. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I love that. That's our That's first a- Count Chocula, I think. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Everyone, A lot of people just say Cheerios, which, you know, is fine, but... You thought through the question. You understood the assignment. <laughs> I mean, in a in a world full of Cheerios, we need to count chocula every once exactly. in a while. Exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna have to make that into a graphic. That is a great <laughs> yeah. quote. That is yes. great. Uh, yes. Put on a t-shirt. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening you can leave us a review on apple Podcasts if you like this show special thanks to death of fawn for our intro riff you can visit our website at she there you'll find links to our social the show notes and a place where you can contact us other than that don't do drugs